Welcome to the SOS Church Stockholm podcast. We are an international church in the heart of Stockholm that meets every Sunday at 12 p.m. at Drottninggatan 81. The celebration is in English with translation into Swedish, Farsi and Spanish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. We are wrapping up this series called Forget Religion, Find God. And it's really about finding God and that is my prayer for today that we will all have an encounter with God. No matter if you're coming to church for your first time, maybe following a friend here, or if you've been in church every Sunday of your life, today we want to meet God, find Him, get to know Him deeper today. And my name is Christopher, I'm pastor in this church, and I'm leading the church together with a wonderful pastor's team and leader team. Uh, but I want to dive right into uh, the message today, and actually I start off last week with a little bit of a lie. I was telling, a per- that's why I'm confessing now. <laughs> I was telling a personal story from when I was in high school and how... In high school, I was not the best student. I was a very creative student. Uh, not when it came to schoolwork, but when it came to do different pranks and things. And a couple of times I ended up needed to speak with a principal and our class teacher. She, I had many talks with her, but the good thing was that I have a friend that was a good liar or a bad liar. I, if you're lying, it's, it's bad, but he was good at it, okay? Uh, and he often got us out of a lot of trouble. So I want to thank Eric, if he here listened to this podcast, thank you. <laughs> uh, but then I said that I changed the last year, and actually I connected really good with our class teacher that last year, and I said I changed because I wanted be- better grades, but when I've been preaching last Sunday, I came back and I was thinking, I didn't change because I wanted better grades. Actually, I changed because I got in trouble many times, and eventually they were speaking with my dad. And when my dad come home that time, he spoke with me. <laughs> and, and that made me change. And when my dad spoke with me, he was not yelling or screaming around, but he came home and he was sitting down with me and he said, it's time to change. And I could tell that I had really disappointed him. And when I felt I had really disappointed my dad, I decided I am going to change. Why? Because I respected and loved my dad. Not first and foremost because I respected the teacher or the principal because they've been trying many times to speak with me. It didn't really change me, but I respected my dad that much. And I know if I have disappointed him, I'm going to change. So actually that whole last year in high school, I became very different. And I think that the same thing is true with us and God. When we meet with God and start to get to know Him, we change and we start to treat people around us differently. Isn't that right? 
I think that how we treat other people is a reflection of our relationship with God. If you love and respect God and know that, that you are loved by Him and that you've been forgiven by Him and, and you realize that Jesus died for you on the cross, you don't want to treat other people in a bad way. You want to start to love people and treat them in a good way. And sometimes when I'm tempted to treat people bad, we all are, huh? Sometimes you're tempted to just say what you really think and speak out of the overflow of your flesh. Then I try to hold that back because I know tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to pray and read my Bible. And if I let everything loose, unfiltered version, I need to have a talk with my Heavenly Father tomorrow morning. And I will probably feel I need to call up that person and ask for forgiveness. And that is much harder than actually just keep my mouth and pray about something first, and then take the conversation. When we meet with God, and we really get to know Him, we change as human beings. We are preaching about forgetting religion and finding God, and that is what we're going to speak into today. You know, if, if you would be a tree, I don't call you a tree, but if you would be a tree, religion would start to cut the leaves, but Jesus, He would go for the root. And he would try to change who you really are. Uh, God, he is after you. Some people feel like, oh, God is hunting me down. He is after me. He's really after you. Not, not really what he can get out of you, but you who you are because he loves you. He's not after you to try to hunt you down and shoot you down. No, he's after you because he wants to pour out his love, a love that will transform and change you and me to our core to our heart. Amen? He's after your heart. He's after your love. He's after your obedience. Obedience is a word that many people don't like today. But obedience is something that the Bible speaks about all the time. You know, religion might try to change your behavior, but Jesus wants to change your obedience, which is, which is more connected with your character and your nature, who you are. Religion will, will make you put on a show so that you pretend to be holy. Saying the right thing, looking the right way. But Jesus, He wants to help you and change you from the inside and out. Religion often makes us blame other people. But Jesus will make us own our mistakes and actually apologize and turn from it. Religion works from outside in. But Jesus works from the inside and out. I heard someone put it like this. Religion takes people out of slums, which is a very good thing. Very, very good thing. But Jesus, he takes the slum out of people. And when the slum is out, they will work themselves out and start to build another life, right? Religion mold men by changing their environment. But Jesus, he changes the man. And the man starts to change his environment. Are you with me? Religion shapes human behavior, but Jesus changed the human nature. Jesus, he wants to change you and me from the depths of your heart. We, we speak about, when we speak about the grace of God and meeting with God, we always say that grace is something that we do not deserve. We cannot work for it. It is a gift from God. And that grace is actually making you right with God. There is a theological word we say, we get justified. 
And that has to do with your right standing in front of God. It is just as if you never sinned. You, you are completely forgiven of all of your sins. You cannot do anything to deserve it. You can only receive it. But then the grace of God starts to work out sanctification in our lives. And that is when we start to behave like we should. <laughs> you are right with God, but you're still living wrong at times. But now sanctification is another theological word. Starts to work inside of you. And it's you cooperating with the grace of God to change your nature and change your character. So you're not just forgiven of your sins, but you actually start to live holy. You start to live different. That is what God wants to do inside of you and me. And to work this out of us, God is often using something we don't like. That is pressure. I don't know if someone is under pressure in any area of your life. Some people are under pressure financially. Some people are under pressure relationally or physically. We are under pressure in different areas. And when you're under pressure, whatever is inside of you is going to be revealed, right? If I take this orange and I, if I would be a bit stronger and I would really start to put pressure on it. Ketchup is no. Orange juice will come out, right? Because that is what is inside of it. When you are under pressure, who you are is coming out. And if you don't like what, what is coming out, that's a time to change what is coming out and get right with God. Are you with me? God, He loves you so much just as you are, but He loves you far too much to leave you where you are. He wants to change you from the inside and out. And, and, and I think that one of the best ways, ways to understand this, it is to look at two different kings from the Old Testament in the Bible. So we will study the life of King Saul and the life of King David. And we start with King Saul, which is the first king of Israel. And he's actually a very religious man. When he gets chosen to become the king of the nation, everyone could see that he was a natural leader. He was tall, he was strong, he, was, he had respect from people. He was a very natural leader, and he became the first king of, uh, the first king of Israel. And, and he started to follow God, and things went very well. And if there is something that is revealing your true nature, except pressure, is probably success. When everything goes well, when, when, when you're succeeding in what you're doing, that is also revealing something of what is inside of you. Everything goes well for Saul until he starts to disobey God. Saul and his men, they are in a war, and God have clearly been telling them that you are not to take any plunder from the war, but they do. They take a lot of plunder. They take sheep and cattle and goats. They take all of those things. And now what is happening is that God is speaking to prophet Samuel that has once upon a time anointing, anointed Saul to become the king. And he tells Samuel that I have regret that I made Saul the king. I want to replace him. Are you following me? We go to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and we read, Read this. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has sent up a monument in his own honor and has turned to gone down to Gilgal. It means just setting up 
a monument to his own honor when the prophet comes. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the instructions of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? And, and what is the lowing of the cattle I hear? Can you see? Religious people know the right words. Bless the Lord, prophet. Everything is well. We've been carrying out the Lord's instructions. We've just been fasting and praying. What do I hear? Samuel is asking. Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle. Why? To sacrifice it to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Religion is covering up. Religion is blaming the soldiers. But we're actually going to sacrificing it to the Lord. It is like stealing, but you are like, I will give God 50% of everything I steal. I, I will give it to God. Like, is that really what God wants? Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said, uh, said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. Pride is a dangerous trap, my friends. Pride can get to any one of us. But we need to stay with humility. Don't you remember where you come from? That's what he said. And I think that's, that is good for us to remember. Remember where you came from. Remember where you are when God was calling you. I'm coming from outside the smallest village in Sweden, I think. <laughs> from the small, small, small place. I didn't meet any new people. And I have the privilege of being one of the pastors in a church in Stockholm. It's a big thing. Where do you come from? What has God done in your life? How was your life before you met Him? And maybe you say, I have not met Him yet. You can meet Him today. But remember what you come from. That gives you some perspective. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pronounce and, uh, the, on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on a mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed Amalekites and brought back Agai, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder, uh, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. I think this is the revealing the thing. Saul says, they took it. He blaming them again, right? Blaming the soldiers and said, it's to sacrifice to the Lord your God. You can be part of a church for years. You can be part of singing all the right songs. But are you making Him your God? Or is it the God of your pastor or the God of your, your parent or the God of your friend? Or is He your personal God? I think that is the revealing Saul felt like I can compromise because he didn't have a personal relationship with God. Religion can cover up in a lot of things, but when you get to know God, it changes who you are. You need your personal relationship with God. Why? Because if you're not now, you will be under pressure sooner or later. And it will be revealed if you have built a relationship with God or not. Religious people, they save themselves, but they're ready to, to sell others, right? 
Isn't that what Judas did? One of Jesus' disciples. <laughs> he was ready to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver to make himself some money. But if you know Jesus, you're ready to give your life for him. It changes everything. Okay, verse 22, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul rejected the word of the Lord. We need to hold on to the word of Christ. We need to build our lives upon his word. Sometimes it's easy to think that divination and witchcraft, it doesn't exist here. But he says that rebellion is the same as witchcraft. If you're living in rebellion, it's binding people. It is actually witchcraft. That is what Samuel is saying. And then he goes on and says that arrogance or pride, it is idolatry. You're making yourself God. And I think maybe that is the biggest challenge for us. Because we want to put ourselves on the throne and say, my will be done. But we are to put <laughs> or realize that God is actually on the throne. And say, your will be done. Samuel replied, or Saul replied. Here, can you see how Saul is under pressure right now? He is squeezed to the bottom of who he is, and he is saying, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back to me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Now his true nature is being revealed. He, his sin is being exposed, but instead of repenting, he says, but please, let's cover up and honor me in front of the people at least, so they don't realize what a sinner I am. And he'd been building a monument to his own honor, right? Religion wants to cover up. It wants to hide. But Jesus, he wants to change us from the inside and out. Religion wants to hide. But Jesus, he wants us to expose, not to be humiliated, but to be clothed by his righteousness and his grace and his forgiveness. And he is changing who we really are. Are you with me? That's why we need some fear of God. We need to realize that He is God and we are not. We are following and He is leading. Okay, so that is King Saul. After King Saul, King David was anointed to become king. So Samuel is now taking his horn of oil and he's going to the house of Jesse to anoint a new king instead of Saul. And when he's coming there, Jesse has so many sons and one after one they're coming in. They are tall, they are strong, they are looking good. And it's like, whoa, it's a lot of leaders here. And he's walking up to the first one. But God says, mm -mm, I haven't chosen him. He's going to the next one. And he's like, mm -mm, not him either. And when he's been looking at all his sons, he's like, don't you have anyone else? And Jesse is like, oh, I, I, have, I, have, I have one. <laughs> but he's not among us. Because he doesn't behave when we have nice dinner guests. He's actually out with his sheep. Please bring him in. And now comes young David. 
He's not King David. He's just David. He's a teenager. Teenager is coming in and the Lord says, I have chosen him. Because the Lord doesn't look to the outside like human beings. He's looking to the heart. And it was actually going to be said by God about David later on that he's a man after God's own heart. Isn't it? I think that is like the best comment you can ever get, right? It's written in the Bible too, so it's true. You're a man of the God's own heart. I think that should be our prayer in, in this church. God, let me be a man or a woman after your own heart. I want to love what you love and hate what you hate. I want to follow you from the bottom of my heart. That is actually David. And now he was anointed as a teenager to become a king. And he probably felt like, whoa, I have the future. The future is going to be great. But he was now tested for a long time. Up to he was 30 years old, he was being tested. And if God has something great for you, you should be happy if you're going through a time of testing. You should be happy if you are put under pressure so that you can deal with some of your issues before you're the king of Israel. Before it's going to affect so many people. So David was under pressure. He was being changed and he was now getting to know God. It is easy to get, the easiest time to get to know God is when you are under pressure. Not when you're sitting on a throne, but when you're under pressure. If you feel I'm under pressure in one or another area in my life today, that is a good thing. When you're under pressure, you will drift away from God or you will draw close to God. And whatever you decide to do, it, it will determine how it goes for you. It is almost like, I mean, you, you can probably not believe it, but I'm actually working out. I'm going to a CrossFit gym. And they put, you know, they are putting on weights on you, and you should do all kind of things. I mean, I, I will not show all my skills here, but but you're doing all kind of things, and 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 you 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 want to add more and more and more, and the more you add, the stronger you get, unless you're doing the movement wrong, right? Then it's going to injure you. God is going to allow pressure to come upon you, and if you draw close to God, you will be able to handle more. But if, if you now start to lean on yourself, if you start to withdraw from God, it's, it's like doing the movement wrong. And it's, going, it's actually going to injure you and hurt you instead. And you can grow bitter and you can, a lot of bad things can happen to you. So you get a, you need to focus in on Jesus. If you are under pressure, do the right thing and you will be stronger. Amen. God, He is more interested in your character than in your comfort. But I know that you're more interested in your comfort than your character. <laughs> so it's kind of like a conflict. But God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. God, He's, He'd rather see your nature being changed than someone rubbing your back and you feeling like everything is cozy and nice. He wants you to change. He wants me to change. But what happened with the grace of God and God loving me like I am? He does. He does. But they love you far too much to let you continue like you are. Second uh, Samuel 11 and 1 is written like this about King David. Everything is going well. He's having success. And it's written that in the spring at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men to the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbi, but David 
remained in Jerusalem. It was a time when the kings go off to war, but David, the king, remains in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uri the Hittite. Okay, so he is out there. He's just scrolling. He's just scrolling. And he's seeing someone beautiful, and he decides to check her out. It can be dangerous, huh? Uh, David, he's the king, but he's not going off to war. He's not fighting any longer. He's not going up praying in the morning. He's sleeping into evening. He has lost his character. He's lost his disciplines. He has lost his spiritual disciplines that is really there to help him, to guide him, to protect him. But they are lost it. And he's sleeping all night, walking up in the day. And now when the temptation is coming, he's, he, he gets very tempted. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to do anything. I just want to follow. I just want to get in contact. I just want to have a chat. But one thing after another, and all of a sudden, it goes too far, Right? It's written that then David uh, sent messengers. No, where well, I'm skipping one passage here. No, uh, verse 4. Uh, then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she, be, uh, she went back home. The woman conceived and sent the word to David saying, I am pregnant. And you feel, what happened with a man after God's own heart? He is now making this woman pregnant. And you think that now he's going to repent, but no. His first response is actually religious. He's covering up. He's brushing his dirt under the carpet. He's calling for her husband who's out fighting in the war and says, you need to come home because he's thinking he, she, he's going to come home. He's going to be with his wife doing what, what wives and husband does. And then everyone will believe that the child is his. But when a man comes home, he has integrity. He says, I'm, I'm not going home to my wife when all the men is out in the war. I'm, I'm sleeping outside. And David tried to get him drunk so that he would at least go home, but he don't. So after a while, he decides, no, I will have the man killed. So he's putting him in the front of the battle line. And when, when the battle be, be, begins, he tells everyone else to withdraw. So Uriah the Hittite, the husband of of Bathsheba is being killed. He's trying to cover up off his sin. And when that is happening, God is calling for another prophet. So prophet Nathan, are, are, you, are you all right? There's a lot of kings and prophets here. King Nathan, uh, prophet Nathan is now coming to David. And he's sitting down with David. And, and he starts telling about two people. He says there was a city. And it was one rich man and one poor man. The rich man, he had so much. But the poor man, he only had a small lamb. And he loved that lamb. It was like his pet. He was giving him milk from a, from a small bottle and he was taking care. It was the only thing he had, but he loved that lamb so much. But when a rich man got a guest, he took the lamb from the poor man, slaughtered it, and they were having a party. What should we do with that man? Can you see Nathan and King David? And King David is like, as true as the Lord's, Lord lives, we should kill that man. And Nathan is looking at him in his eyes and says, you're that man, David. You are that man. Uriah the Hittite, he was fighting your battle, but you took his wife. And when you couldn't cover up your sin, you had him killed. You are that man. 
So it's in one way, if you compare his life to King Saul, both are starting off well, but both are sinning. And if I could decide, I would say that David's sin was worse than Saul. I don't know what God says, but Saul was taking some animals, but David was killing a man. I would say that's a worse sin. Uh, Saul, after his sin was revealed, he said, but please honor me before the men. But David's response was now very different, and I want you to see this. It's written like this in verse 11. Before your very eyes, okay, so this is a consequence of his sins. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives, and I will give them to someone who's close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad deadlight, uh, daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do it in, in broad daylight before all Israel. So without words, you're hiding your sin, but this will be public in front of everyone in the nation. And if that would be Saul, that would be the worst scenario for King Saul, because he loved to be honored by man, but David is now going to be humiliated by man. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sins. You are not going to die. What is happening? David is under pressure. Now he's coming to the bottom of who he is. He's not covering up his sin any longer. He's not saying, please honor me before men. He says, no, I've been sinning against the Lord. He's repenting. He's regretting what he has done. And he's now being forgiven his sins. It doesn't mean that there's no consequences to his sin. It will still have consequences, but the Lord is ready to forgive him. And then, then David, he's writing one of the most beautiful psalms that there is. Psalm 51, and here you really see the true nature of King David. He, he's, he writes like this, hide, hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Isn't that beautiful? When, when David is really on the bottom, when he's really under pressure, this is actually what is coming out. Why do they have so different response? I think it's because Saul, he was a religious man. But he never really got to know God. He said to Samuel, oh, the Lord, your God, but not my God. But David, it felt like, I don't know if I'm humiliated. I don't care if I'm humiliated before everyone. Only don't take your presence away from me, God. Because without your presence, without your life, I am nothing. And I, I know that if we get to know God truly, intimate, it doesn't mean that we can never do any arrows. But it means that on the bottom, bottom of ourselves, we know how valuable He is. We fear God. We, we love Him. And we are ready to change because we love Him so much. It was like, like me when my dad came and corrected me. I changed in a way I didn't do for a teacher because I didn't have that relationship with them. It was, was, I didn't change when the principal spoke to me, but I changed when my dad did it because I love him and I respected him. 
If you know God, if you respect Him and fear Him, you have something else deep inside of you. We're speaking about forgetting religion and finding God. Religion can fix your outside, but Jesus he is actually fixing our inside. I heard someone say this, The man who kneels before God can stand before any man. If you've been kneeling before God, if you've been, been, been pouring yourself out before Him, you can stand before any man. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You, you can let people open up every closet, go have every password in your phone, doing whatever. You have nothing to hide. And that's a very good place. That gives you a lot of joy, a lot of peace when you don't need to cover off, up, up anything. We're speaking about finding God. My friend, let's live with God. Let's follow Him. Let's have that relationship with God because that is restoring the joy of salvation. Can we stand up together? Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Curious to know more about our church? Check out our website, soschurch.se. Have a great day.